Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. Glenn James here. How you doing? Hope you're well. What's happening? Hey, uh, this week, non-major bank acquires Melbourne FinTech. I'm reading this from FinTech Business. It's a website.com. First line says, in results presented to investors, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank said it would acquire 100% of the shares of digital banking fintech Ferocia of up to $116 million. <whistles> now, Ferocia, what's that? Well, a lot of people out there use the startup bank called Up. Up uses Bendigo Adelaide Bank's banking services, and we'll get into that in the interview. And yeah, Ferocia owns the brand Up and the bank who provide the banking license have gone through and scooped up Ferocia. So as soon as I saw this come up, I reached out to the UP co-founder, Dominic Pym, and said, hey, mate, do you want to come on the podcast? He said, well, what about we send the new CEO who happened to start the same day as the acquisition, Xavier Shea. So I had a good chat with Xavier Shea. Uh, he was kind enough to jump in at the last minute. And really, we spent almost an hour, I think, just chatting about UP and what this means, this uh, acquisition. And to be honest, he was really good. I kind of, when I do some of these interviews, you know what I'm like, I fire up the grill and, you know, sometimes ask the awkward and hard questions. And he was awesome. Um, so thank you so much to Xavier, the new CEO of UP, uh, for coming on the My Millennial Money podcast. Full disclosure, this is not a paid episode. Uh, I do use UP myself and they have paid us to do a promotion on uh, our Instagram uh, sometime earlier in the year, I think it was. But I really just wanted to have a chat because I particularly found up of uh, personal interest uh, back in 2018 when I visited there and um, just I've followed the journey of this fintech startup. So thank you so much for the guys and gals at Up for jumping straight into this and allowing me to have a chat with their CEO, which is probably a really busy week for them. But hey, Thank you so much. Hope you enjoy the listen. And there's a link in the show note to the book that uh, Xavier mentioned in this episode. So thank you so much and enjoy. Xavier Shea, thank you so much for jumping on My Millennial Money and having a chat with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, you've been at UP for a few years now. Uh, I think in 2019, you joined the team. Uh, what were you doing at UP before you started as CEO uh, at the start of this week? Yeah, good question. Well, it hasn't really been a surprise to the team. This is something that's been in the works uh, for a little while. So, uh, I've actually been responsible for the UP business within Ferocia for about the last 18 months. Uh, so, it's sort of been a, a bit of a long transition Uh into this sort of role. So I think for most of the team internally, this is kind of just another another week from yeah. that perspective, obviously. There's the acquisition news, which is new, but Yeah. And it's it's funny that like in big corporate worlds, like and you know, some of your 
big, big competitors, like new CEOs, they'll fly someone in from a different company and, you know, and all this stuff. But are you finding in like startup scenes and almost really organic type businesses that we grow from within? So you as the leader, you actually understand the culture, the corporate history and all that stuff? Yeah, and that's something that we feel is really important for our business and the size of our business and where we're at. You know, knowing knowing how the business works at sort of, you know, like when I first started it up, I was literally writing code. Like I have a background as a software engineer. Uh, actually, before before up, I was at Square for probably about seven years in the US, primarily engineering leadership, running sort of some teams over there. But coming back to Australia and coming back to up, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't join with the idea that I wanted to run the place. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely wanted to, the idea of coming in at a senior level, I was more interested in, no, I'm just going to join as a software engineer, as a developer, write some code, get a feel for the team, get a feel for the product. And from that, I think it's put me in a really strong position to understand what makes this company tick, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to preserve that going forward. I mean, we're such a, a people and culture oriented company. Uh, and I think it's just, from my perspective, it's important that I kind of honor that and help encourage and grow that. And that's the basis on which we're going to build a great business. Now, when I first heard of Up, uh, it was early 2018. I was in uh, Melbourne and I actually messaged Dom, uh, who was the co-founder, and actually had Dom and Anson on uh, My Millennial Money podcast back when I'd first started because I just had a particular interest in tech startups and what they were doing and it was actually quite a different uh, proposal. Now, you've taken the reins of CEO of Ferocia. So, are you CEO of Ferocia or just the up component? Uh, CEO of up. Yeah, okay. Uh, So, what will Dom do in the business now? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think for Dom, recently he actually hasn't been able to be in the business much because he's been taking lead on this acquisition. Yeah. Uh, so he's super excited uh, to get back to get back into it. Um, yeah. He's always been fantastic working with Anson on product stuff, figuring out crazy new stuff we could be doing. Uh, he's great at that. He loves doing it, and that's not my forte, right? I'm yeah. not. I'm not the product visionary. You know, that's yeah. I, I lean very heavily on, on Anson for that, and, and for Dom as well. Yeah. Um, and so he'll, uh, he'll actually be able to do more of that stuff that he loves doing um, and then I can take care of a bit more of the, the nuts and bolts of, of running the place. Yeah. And it was actually fascinating, like, you know, up have ticked over, uh, you know, 400,000 customers or users or upsiders, whatever you guys call them or call us. And I think when I visited in 2018, I think there was under 15,000 or even 1,500. Like it was yeah. very small. I, I forget the number, but it was small. So you guys have really um, come a long way. And I believe in the personal banking, neobank, startup, or whatever you want to call this scene in Australia, the marketing will win. And then mm. the tech, then the banking as a service, which we'll get to, is almost hygiene now. Uh, And you guys are clearly leading the way, I believe, in that area. So, as CEO of a neobank or up, because up's not really a bank, quote unquote. Yeah, I'll let you answer that. It's complicated. (laughs) Yeah, and we will get to that. But like, what's your personal uh, mandate for uh, banking in Australia? Yeah, I I really believe that. Banks should be giving Australians the tools they need to manage their money and live the lives that they want. That to me seems kind of an obvious thing for 
you know, banks, they're right in the center of all of that. They're in a really good position to be doing that. But when I sort of look around, you know, 84% of people don't trust the incumbents to do this for them. We haven't seen anybody else do it really well yet. Um, and so I think there's a real opportunity here for UP. And it's more than just, you know, financial well-being or control. I think those stuff's that's really important and that's really at the core of it. But for me, I think we're seeing that you can almost go one step further and, you know, what if your relationship with your money could actually be a little bit fun, you yeah. know? That's good just because, you know, it's nice and having fun is a good thing. But actually what we find is that's that then becomes this feedback loop and this virtuous cycle, right, which feeds back into if it's kind of fun, you're going to pay a bit more attention to it um, and you're not going to feel bad about doing it. It's actually going to develop the behaviors and attitudes that really set people up financially to then flourish from there and do whatever they want to do in their lives. So I think we've done the start of that with UP. I think we've got a lot, a long way to go. Uh, there's a lot more we can do. Yeah. But I think you know, that's, that's the future that I'm gunning for, you know? Yeah, I love it. We talked uh, just before and we said it was complicated and I said, well, UP isn't really a bank. Mm-hmm. You know, people who might be new to UP or new to banking as a service and how this ecosystem works, you know, what is banking as a service and how does that work? Yeah, so banking as a service is typically when a bank, a regulated bank offers their products to a non-bank through a non-bank partner. So a canonical example of that might be uh, a retailer offering a branded debit card to their customers. Now, if you squint, that's almost what UP has been doing between Forrester and Bendigo. It's actually, the details of that are even a bit more complicated again. Um, but I think what's interesting is that this also applies, or this idea applies to other types of products rather than just what you would typically think of as banking. So a good example is that we've partnered with WISE, formerly TransferWISE, uh, to offer international payments to our customers. They're the regulated entity as far as the, the transfer of money goes. That, that's a very sensitive thing. We're able to partner with them. Uh, they're able to take care of you know, all the complexities and all the regulations uh, around that. We're able to really focus on the customer experience. And by doing that, Rashad ended up in a really good spot where customers who use Wise through up uh, rate rate that product higher than if they're just using Wise independently. Mm. And so that's a real win-win for both us and Wise, you know. Yeah. And so I think that for me is really what you can do with this kind of model. Um, for us, we're really looking for for everything we're looking to do for any kind of financial product. We're asking ourselves who's doing this the best. Uh, and can we partner with them? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and it's funny because it's almost like in this new world of open banking and APIs, you can really just position yourself as the financial hub app. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, just plug stuff in. Yeah, and I think for, for us, we're in a really uh, good spot to do that uh, because because we started with sort of everyday banking and saving, uh, it's sort of pretty natural that people are in the app quite a lot, mm. you know? Um, and so there's this really authentic, we don't need to, you know, do any particularly malicious growth hacking or anything to try and, you know, get people to pay attention or get people to use the app because that's just what normal and healthy usage of our app looks like. Mm. Uh, I think that puts us in a really strong position to then, and our customers are asking us for this. They're, look, they're saying, hey, I'm in up every day. Can I have it handle my my super? Um, oh, can I have an investment part? Because, you know, I want it part of this, hub, as you mentioned. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're in a really strong position to do that. Yeah. And it's interesting because for those that are wondering, you know, about apps and whatnot, like 
I've got the Glenn James spending plan and we looked at making that into an app, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we resolved that a friend of the show, Alex, she did some research with people and it was going to be probably 150 grand to rock up and get a, a minimum viable product. So, yeah. you know, up you've done all this back-end work and millions and millions of dollars developing an app. And for me, I resolved that, hey, we're not in the app business, we're in the podcast business. Mm-hmm. And you guys, we're not in the actual banking business, we're in the tech and app business and we're just going to plug stuff into our platform. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good mental model for how we think about it. Yeah. So, Bendigo and Adelaide uh, Bank are your effective bank. So, any yep. money that I put into my up account, uh, it's on their ledger, I'm protected under... Uh, the deposit guarantee Correct. with uh, Bendigo, Adelaide Bank and all that. So what was the rationale behind uh, Bendigo, Adelaide Bank purchasing Ferocia, which is the company that effectively owns up? Was it primarily an aqua hire or a tech play? Because, you know, 400,000 users with an average balance of $2,100, like the bank isn't spending, you know, the rumours of, you know, $100 million dollars to purchase that small amount of deposits. Yeah, so... Uh, and I say small in the I know what banking mean. world. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Uh, no, th- this wasn't an aqua hire. Um, okay. An aqua hire is typically when, you know, they would, they would buy us, uh, then there's a cheap way of just hiring some more people and then we'd go on to existing projects at the bank. That, that's not what's happening here. It's completely opposite, actually. So, Forestry is going to stay operating independently, working on the same things we were working on before, um, so we're going to keep working on up the same way that we've been working on up. Bendigo is really excited about uh, the possibilities and the future for up, but they're also really excited about how we're doing it as well, uh, and they want to support that going forward. Um, and then for sure, up is the main thing we do, uh, but we also do some of the um, uh, digital banking platform work uh, that supports Bendigo Bank as well, and so there's some opportunities there as well. So I guess like, so Dom... You know, because it's totally a personality play. Like for me, you know, I'll start something, but if I hang around long enough, I'll wreck it. So I need to go and build something. So I imagine <laughs> Dom's a builder, right? Like, so he's obviously going to do some other projects with Ferocia. But I mean, what was, you know, and I know you probably can't speak for Ferocia, but I'll ask the question anyway. Like, there would have been a chance that Ferocia could have been a tech listing on the ASX, right? Was there something in the, uh, banking as a service clause where Bendigo, you know, years ago said, oh, if you ever do anything, we want the first right to have right, anything. Well, I, yeah, like, I can't talk about contractual details, but we did We did actually can't, consider. Yeah, come on, you can. <laughs> it's just us two. We, uh, we, did, we did consider um, some, other, some other routes here, such as, you know, either, you know, a listing or a private, a private offering. And we definitely considered that. And mm. when we got into all the details, though, we saw that going the acquisition route was really just going to be a better outcome, in particular for Up. I think so. We, we just talked about banking as a service for, for quite a while, right? And mm. uh, one of the things that you don't see, um, and one of the issues there, is that uh, there's a lot of just banky issues that you have when you're trying to have a non-bank provider publish a a, a banking product. Mm. And in that case, as I mentioned earlier, like that wasn't even really what we were doing with Ferocia and Bendigo. It was actually a bit weirder than that. So th- there are a lot of, um, I'll call them banky issues, but if you can imagine all the regulatory stuff around this, you've got to be very careful as, you know, which is a good thing, right? That's what yeah. we want in banking. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. But 
uh, a lot of that would have persisted, you know, if we were to continue uh, or if we were to sort of go our own route here. And so by joining the Bendigo family, we actually noticed that a, a lot of that hard work that we were doing to sort of make it invisible to upsiders would kind of go away or be drastically reduced. Ultimately, that means we can get more great features out the door faster for upsiders. And, mm. and ultimately, that's, you know, that's really what we're all here to do. And I think that's really you know, critical to, to what we're doing and to the success of, of up going forward. And you know, we've worked with Bendigo at Ferocia for the last seven, nine years, almost 10 years. And yeah, they're a great partner. They're extremely ethical. Um, mm. They're really trying to do the right thing. I'm really impressed by the senior leadership. I think there's just a really good match here. So to, to sort of summarize all of that, I think this is the avenue where like, we get to keep doing all the, the good stuff that we like mm. in the way that we like doing it, but then it also gets rid of a lot of the, uh, the friction that both us and people at Bendigo have had to work through uh, in order to make this really successful. And I think that's just going to lead to a better product. Yeah. And for me, like for so many years, you'd see these, you know, really good deals with smaller banking institutions and community banks and uh, probably even uh, Bendigo and Adelaide, like really good deal. And but it's just like, no, the apps suck and <laughs> banking is hygiene. Give me a good user experience. And I, I think it's probably a, a good play as well that, you know, if Ferocious is doing all of Bendigo's back end, well, hey, we'll scoop up up, we'll scoop up Ferocia and we'll just carry on. Uh, it can probably only be a good thing for existing customers of Bendigo and Adelaide Bank because, you know, seriously, some of these local banks, like God bless them, doing a really good thing and all that. But no, don't give me a paper passbook that I've got to go into the branch if there's ever a freaking branch around yeah. and, you know, do all this crap. Like it's just, it's now a tech game. It's now a tech world. And it has been for 20 years, mind you. Uh, but, you know, open banking and all that certainly helped. Uh, anyway, I should stop. Yeah. And I think, I think Bendigo gets that. And, and to your point, that's exactly it as well. This is not, it's not just up, right? It's, it's also up and, and a heap of other capability as well. Interesting. So future plans. Well, actually, before we go to like the future plans, a question and more of a comment that you might want to give some um, words to, you know, as a company grows, um, we know that it's harder and harder to roll out features fast and to be agile. Like it's just fact. Mm -hmm. Three years ago, probably you guys could roll out something easy overnight. We'll try it. You know, there's only a handful of users. How do we keep the agility? How do we keep that spirit of when there was 20,000 people to scale it up to 400 and a million users if everyone wants to text up and talk to somebody and get their problem solved? That, that's a great question. And in some ways, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. Uh, so th there are a couple <laughs> of parts in there. One, one is like scalability of, of the system. So as you said, we have um, you know, highly personalized support. Uh, we have a local support team. We're usually back to customers within a couple of minutes um, between 6 a.m. and midnight. Uh, we've invested a lot in that. That's just not, oh, we hired a lot of people. Yeah, we take the same tech approach that we take to the consumer product to the bit that everybody sees, and we apply that to what are the systems that our support team gets to use. How do we really empower them and enable them uh, to to give a really great service? So that's part one. It's like you need to you need to invest in the bits that people don't see, as well as the things that people do see. I yeah. think that's really important. And then the other one uh, is 
you know, as, as the product gets bigger, it gets more complicated. Um, you know, we just launched two up, which is super exciting. Uh, you know, you can now have two people uh, sharing their finances uh, in a particular way. But, you know, if you think about the complexities that adds to the product and everything we add, we have to consider, okay, how does this work from two up? How does this work from one up? So I think, you know, the reason it gets uh, more complicated isn't, uh, is because you get more complex feature interactions. You have to think through stuff. Mm. The way you keep your agility or attempt to keep your agility, as you say, it is, it is very difficult to do. Um, I think you always, you need to be continually reflecting on what's, what's important here. Are we actually focused on the right things? We've got a limited number of people. Uh, I think that by default, if you just have people working, they'll end up spreading themselves pretty thin because yeah. everybody wants to work on a little bit of everything and uh, it can get very difficult to move forward in that environment. So mm. for us, we're having a lot more discussions than we previously had internally about what what do we need to get after, how do we get after it, um, what tooling do we need to build to to support. So you know you also want to build tooling to support your developers as well mm. to help. Mm. I mean they can move fast. You need um, like design systems and that to support your designers so you can help them move fast as well. So there's just a lot of what internal investment are we doing uh, in terms of our processes, in terms of how we're prioritizing things. That's going to help us just continually get stuff out the door mm. that's really you know good and good for customers yeah and I guess it just all comes back to cost benefit doesn't it yeah like as an example like one cool feature that I found that I've had that I didn't know that they had and and it was cool at the time until it wasn't sorry no offense um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I had um, I had to transfer a significant amount of money from my upsavers account and you know, some banks will make you uh, verify it or whatever, and you know, do different things. Like, because it's security, right? We all get that. Mm-hmm. We don't want someone logging in and transferring twenty grand or ten grand, whatever the amount is. And there was, so, there's this cool feature that it's a time delay. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Is that how it works? So, I put the request in, sends me an email, says, "Yep, we've got your request. We're just emailing you to make sure that this wasn't fraud. Um, you know, jump up and down, and you know, send a flare if it was not." If it was mm-hmm. fraud and wasn't you, and then you know it, it gets transferred. Uh, I think ten or twelve hours or whatever it is. I don't know what it is exactly. Um, there are various rules, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I was like, yeah, that's really cool. But I need the freaking money now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Which it's fine, but you're not going to go and re-engineer the whole world if only Glenn James out of two hundred people need that issue scratched, right? So it's this balancing act. Well, yeah, I think that that one that you actually brought up, I think that's a really good example of, you know, we've talked, uh, we were just talking about banking as a service, right? And you take the bank yeah. product and you distribute it in the bank um, I think something that we do um, that sort of differentiates us a little bit from that is we we don't just take the product and package it up. We actually work with Bendigo to develop the product and, and sort of ask questions and say, can we do it better? Can we do it better? Mm. So I think that's a good example of where, you know, our default, uh, if we just took the product, would have been actually sorry, you can't transfer that amount of money. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a limit. That's too much money. Sorry. Yeah. But instead, we started probing. We said, well, okay, there's there's a risk here. What are the risks we're managing against? Maybe we could do a time delay. So rather than having no option, now there is an option, and and that's something that we're continually iterating on and continually improving, so that over time we can you know reduce and reduce that friction. So I, I see that less as you know a cool feature we built and more mm. a an interesting way we approached a sort of risk and security problem that enabled more things than was previously possible. I know that wasn't actually your question. Uh, no, your I don't question know. was more about the cost benefit trade off, but I think yeah. I just wanted to say that because I think it's yeah. a really important. And then I'm also thinking it's like, well, at what point do you take it to the next step and use tech and say, 
okay, Glenn, we will transfer this instantly because we've done another layer of facial recognition through the app. Exactly. That's the sort or of thing that we could do. Um, but again, I not you know, a lot of us might only transfer a, a big chunk of money once if we're buying a car or something. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was just I thought it was a really good thing that you know some banks are like, no, there's a thousand dollars a day, piss off, and you're like, <laughs> it's a Saturday and all this. But um, but yeah, as I said, it's um, you can't go and throw every resource at a problem that affects two percent of the user base. It's just not good business. Yeah, and I think there a part of that is learning which is that like is it 2% or is it 5% or is it 10% how do you know and there's a there's a really strong feedback loop that you need to develop over time or i think you need to develop over time between your support and your product groups uh, and we actually are very lucky our head of customer experience um Nectaria Cameron Smith is really good at this kind of thing and you know developing a voice of the customer program and you know taking the anecdotes that we get through support and turning them into data which mm. uh you know, is super helpful for then Ants and the product team uh, to to use in their thinking about where we're going to build out the product, where we're going to prioritize things. Mm. Um, I think it's also important to have a little bit of, you need a little bit of budget for, for stuff that maybe doesn't quite cross the really formal cost-benefit analysis, but like has some potential upside and might just be cool. Like if, if you go too heavily into that analysis, right, you can just build boring stuff. So it's always, you want a bit of spice, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that's the kind of that good thing about like with my team, we've got these things like if anyone, I don't care if you're just started or you've me, like any ideas, let's have a look at them. If the mm. cost benefit isn't there, okay, we might go with our gut on one thing, run it up the flagpole, you know, and just see. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Just I think having that, that uh, I think about it in terms of like organizational slack, like if mm. everybody's working 100% of the time, like mm. you're really efficient. But you can squeeze out a lot of the innovation and creativity. You need you need a bit of space. Just sort of sit back mm. and think. Ah, you know what? Actually, this might be cool, and maybe it's not. But if you don't have that time to think, um, I, I don't think you get very creative products. How many employees it up? We're about sixty. So there's basically six and a half thousand users per employee. Uh, I'll trust you on that math. Yeah. Well, I'm just using the Canon LS 100TS oh, uh, solar and battery calculator. I'd trust uh, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I probably would as well. Um, future plans, debt is on the horizon. I'm looking at the tree of up. It's a it's a cool web page, up.com.au forward slash tree. And just as a side value, are you loving this free advertisement on my podcast or what? It's pretty great, not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> so you've got a heap of stuff there. There's a secret project. Ooh, scandalous. Uh, mm-hmm. But you have got home loans. And I would imagine that is obviously something that Bendigo and Adelaide will be the preferred provider with. How is how is that going to play out? Is it going to be a, a straight up brokerage service on the app or is it we'll do home loans electronically and all loans will be a badged version of Adelaide or Bendigo? Yeah, I think it's, we're not really in the business of uh, like product marketplace sort of stuff. I think for us, it's we want to make the one product that's good for eighty percent of people. Yeah. Uh, and so in this case, it's going to look more like the latter. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that you know we're, we're pretty excited about. Uh, I think you know home loans, and for, for us, it's more than just getting a loan for a house, mm. right? Like that's that's just part of, part of it. But actually, there's this home ownership journey, right? Mm. That kind of starts 
starts whenever you have a glimmer that you might start saving. You know, you create a house save and start putting stuff into it. That's when it starts, right? It doesn't start when you call a bank up and say, hey, I need some money. Yeah. And so I think for us, really thinking about that whole experience um, is going to let us do something really special. Yeah, so I guess it's easy to, and I'm saying this from a guy who has never run a tech company <laughs> or a, a bank, right? Like it's relatively easy to say, uh, log in, give us your details. So your pay, your salary, uh, show us the house, show us your savings and we'll pre-preview for a home loan. Like it's easy to do that electronically if you've got PAYG employees and if you've got a low loan to value ratio. Mm -hmm. So from what I can kind of gather, the easiest way to, because a lot of your customers, like what's your average age of your customers? Median age is uh, under 25. Yeah, so... There's not a lot of 25-year-olds that are going to have over a 20% deposit. So, as much as Very it's cheap. easy to do, like, because you see all this stuff online, like uh, 1% interest rates. Yeah, that's fine if you've got a 50% LVR. Like, so, exactly. I don't know. I would implore you to go down this road, but I, I don't know. It's, it's just a long game, right? Yeah, and also I think there's... The application bit, like, oh, yeah, type in some numbers, get pre-approval. Like, that's cool and that's nice and that that's useful. Mm. But actually, in the scheme of things, it's a pretty small part of the process, right? There's a whole savings journey. There's a whole paying the thing off. Yeah. Um, and so I think one of the benefits we get working with Bendigo is, you know, a lot of these new digital-only lenders and whatever have very restrictive credit policies. You know, you can only do a refinance or, you know, yeah, you've uh, got you to can't have PAYG and 60% LVR. And, yeah, so yeah. we can be a lot more flexible uh, mm. leaning on um, Bendigo's credit policies here mm. um, to offer a wider variety of loans that, that are more appropriate for, mm. for our current customer base, as you say, also a long play. And we can also, you know, we've got really world-class support and, uh, and processes there for really helping people through the journey, right? Because it's not mm. just, yes, some people know what they're doing. Some people just want to click a few buttons, get a couple of quotes, get a house, right? Mm. But that's not really, and maybe a lot of listeners to your podcast, that's the, sort of the bucket they're in, but that's not most people, right? Most people don't have friends who know about this stuff. Most people don't know what's going on. Uh, most people find this, you know, really pretty scary. Uh, and so I think there's a lot we can do just around that emotional journey as well, rather than just focusing on it as a like, how do we make this go faster, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because we know one thing, bankers, the way that bankers make money is debt. And mm -hmm. whether that's home loan or other types of debt, has there been any other types of debt discussed? We do. It's something we talk about. Um, I think for us, we don't want to rush into it. You know, financial well-being is really the core driver of what we're doing with UP and I think is why we've been so successful. Uh, I think for home loans, I think it's pretty relatively straightforward um, to set it up in a way that it's, you know, good for financial well-being overall. Mm. I think that story is a, it's a little more complicated with other credit products. Mm. Um, I don't think it's as simple as, you know, all credit products are bad. <laughs> I think that's too naive. I think that there are really good positive uses for other debt products. Example? <laughs> example. Um, car loans can be a good example in certain circumstances. Even I actually, uh, this is probably a controversial opinion I have. Um, I know Afterpay uh, cops a lot of flack, mm. um, but I actually think that, you know, there are cases where, you know, would you pay, would you prefer to pay for something, $100 something now or $25 over four weeks or whatever it is? Um, the rational decision is to do $25 over four weeks, mm. right? Because the future value of money. So 
Um, there's also yeah, but you can't. It, use it, it almost does your bucketing yeah, yeah, well, for you. In whoa, a sense. whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't use the future value of money over a four week period. I'm using I'm using just uh, I don't. Those aren't the actual yeah. uh, weeks okay. or whatever. But my point being that I think the analysis is a little more complicated than you know debt is bad. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably disagree with you on the uh, consumer debt thing. Um, Fair enough. So I've got a question like. You know, with up wanting to promote financial literacy, like you've effectively embraced Afterpay, um, mm-hmm. and you know we've got the CEO now saying that you don't have a problem with Afterpay. I did say I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I, think, <laughs> I, I said I think there are cases where it potentially can be helpful. Okay, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Um, no, no, no. That's I, I just think like as financial leaders, mm-hmm. the more that we can teach people to manage their own money the better society will be. Yeah, now, I think that's a really great aspiration. Yeah. Now, for me, like, I will not ever have Afterpay advertised on my podcast. Right. Like, and a lot of my listeners will use Afterpay. That's fine. But for me, as a public policy, I've never met anybody killing it with their money who have killed it off the back of buy now, pay later. It's literally, I will never teach that we outsource our diet to a shake, let's just learn how to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with buying $100 item and spreading it over four weeks, at week three, if your circumstances change and COVID hits, you've now got a debt that you can't pay off, you'll get stung with that late fee. And then that late fee as a percentage of that purchase is a huge amount of interest. So, I'm, I'm sorry you've poked the, the Glenn James bear on this, but... Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I think that's a valid opinion. Uh, and, 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 and that's what I mean, like, and I'm just so, you know, there's so many of these startup financial apps that, you know, they start up and they go with this hook and, you know, Up might even have it on the, uh, the roadmap to allow a free credit score and all this crap, where it actually means nothing. Like, yeah. pay your bills on freaking time, have money in your bank account, that's the best credit score you can have. Like... I live and breathe personal finance and yeah. I don't know my credit score because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So that's why I'm just so cautious with, and not really up, but other startup products where the thing is to get people in the ecosystem and flog them crap loans, crap insurance, and it's just horrendous. Strongly aligned on that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think where you were, you were started asking a question about like up and after pay, we do, we do have an integration with after pay. Yeah. But for us, I think that's really meeting people where they are. Like what mm. we find with that, we think it's really important to know all of your obligations, right? Whether it's rent, food, or afterpay, up really helps you see everything. And we mm. actually just launched uh, a new feature, Payday, which actually helps you see what are you, what expenses are coming up before your next pay, so you can really, you know, know how much money you have available to you. But the really interesting thing about that afterpay integration is what we find is that upsiders who use that integration end up paying fewer late fees than people who don't. So we are actually helping people, you know, avoid those situations that you talk about through better awareness of what they're doing with their money. So I don't think we're in a position to tell people, you know, don't do that. Maybe mm. aspirationally, let's get yeah, you to yeah. a place where you don't need to. But if that's where you are at the moment, we'll meet you there and we'll help help bring you on that journey. Yeah, I, I, I would categorically agree. Like I, a lot of people listening to this right now, uh, maybe up to their eyeballs in consumer debt. Like yeah. that's, you know, we're here now. Let's build a way forward. Exactly. Let's use tools to change your habits and behaviors because we know that 
financial longevity is, you know, well, really strong financial longevity with good money habits, good investments and a better future you is not going to happen if you're borrowing for crap that goes down in value. Yeah. Be it a $25 pair of earrings or I bought a new paddle for my new kayak because I got into kayaking with this COVID stuff. Oh, nice. (laughs) I bought a $99 new paddle because the one that came with the kayak was crap (laughs) and I just paid for it once off. Like, Mm. but if you're not there, you're absolutely right. We will meet you there, Mm. but we want to encourage you to see if there's an alternative. And the thing is, if if someone's listening to this right now and says, oh, Glenn, you're a dickhead. I love Afterpay and I use Afterpay. Awesome. Knock yourself out. But I will also say, let's compare notes in 20 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you're regretting coming on here. No, I love it. Great. Um, great. So up super, when's that happening? Mm. Are you outsourcing that or are you doing it in-house? Um, I think we would be crazy to attempt to build up Super from scratch. It's uh, extremely complicated, yeah. <laughs> uh, extremely complicated product. Um, that is definitely something that I'm interested in, yeah. uh, that we're interested in, and we've been talking to people about. I think yeah. there's a really strong alignment there between you know financial well-being, helping people get part of the savings. Super is such an important part of that. Mm. So, yeah, no, no, no promises on timeline, but yeah. easy money for a uh, a tech play as well, because right. a lot of people who are in their twenties or early 30s, they, they won't have much money outside of super, mm. but they've got all that fun inside. So if you're a company and you can get distribution of maybe 400,000 people that might have super, it's a, it's a win-win. Could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love you. I'm, I'm just having fun. <laughs> um, yeah. No, and, and, it's, and this is it. Like, it's a total commercial world and anyone can do anything. Well, that's it. The law. Like, for us, like, we have to make money, right? Like if we don't money, if we don't make money, up disappears. That's bad That's for everybody. Right. So for us, it's really about how do you, how do we do that in a way like we don't want to be flogger, flogging crap loan products, as you yeah. just said, right? Yeah. Like how do we, how do we do things where it's like a fair exchange of goods and services for value? Yeah, uh, that we all win. You know, that's really what we're after. I, I like that mindset because, and I'll send you down a copy of my book um, that's coming out next month. But like, I actually wrote in the book, and I'm gonna get so much hate for this. <laughs> like I actually wrote. You actually want your investment company, your banks, or whoever you engage with to make money because you need them to be around in 10, 20 years time when the freaking shat matters. So, for example, you know, the world goes to a basket again. I need that company to be around so I can withdraw my money and have it tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I obviously am a biased opinion uh, on that, Mm. but I agree. Yeah. (laughs) I think that makes a lot of sense. And like this podcast, like I unashamedly, I unashamedly, unashamedly, I close un- enough. Yeah, I can't speak. I'm so passionate. <laughs> I unashamedly, <laughs> unashamedly, there you go. Will never apologize and not apologize for making a profit because yeah. we employ people and we provide good stuff for people. And if you're not interested in it, we well, don't have to engage. That's it. Uh, okay, cool. Up super might be coming soon. Are you ready to answer some listener questions? We'll just keep this short yeah, and sharp. No, nah, go into it. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we're back. There's a question from Charlie. Does this uh, acquisition change anything for up customers? No. No, up customers won't, shouldn't even notice. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they'll notice when we start shipping stuff faster. Yeah. <laughs> but that's more of a you know, medium long-term thing as we, as we get through the, the hurdles. But yeah, no, it doesn't change anything. Fire Girls Invests on Insta, you can follow her. I've not seen the account, so I can't vouch for it. But uh, will they still shout us free coffees? So will we see the fun ever leave? No, no, we, we love that sort of stuff. Um, the, we really love Perk Up. Uh, I'm sure it'll circle back around sometime. Uh, we really get a kick out of watching all those free coffees pop up and everybody else does too. So yeah, yeah I reckon that'll come back around someday. Yeah, Lindy uh, Boyson, another thing, direct impacts on customers. So more around the interest fees and any of that type of structure. Uh, we're not changing our pricing, if that's no. the question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It, yeah. So the, realistically, it's business as usual Correct. as a customer. That's, yeah. that's the way to think about it. And, and realistically, when a bigger company buys a smaller company, usually you see more benefits in the small company mm-hmm. because they're going to inject more money into it. So, exactly. So there's, there can be two things that happens when a big company purchases a smaller company they can basically do that to stamp out the competition and just move people over to the mothership. And in this case, that's not happening. They're not moving people. All right, upstead, go and open an account with Bendigo because they've already got the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you get a bigger investment into the company that's been purchased. I think that's very good analysis. There you go. Send you the bill for that. Um, <laughs> this is a, actually, I saw on the tree of up, Dylan Lath wrote, when are up savings account going to get a BSB and account number? But I think you guys are working on the pay RD. Yeah, there's a few different things in the works there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sweet. Uh, what else have we got? This is an interesting one. And for me as a raised customer as well, when will I be able to link uh, my Bendigo slash Adelaide Bank BSB to raise for roundups? I'm not sure. That's a, that's a thing that uh, we have on our roadmap at the moment. Uh, Certainly sounds like a good idea. We should look into it. Yeah, I'm just having a look because I'm just I've just opened raise invest uh, roundups. Um, add a spending account. Search so you can't search up as the thing. Right. I wonder if I can search Bendigo. Oh, Bendigo Bank. No, because I need the. I need the Bendigo Bank login and password. It doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, in yeah. that case, it's not going to happen. Um, no. We well, um, anytime in the next 10 minutes anyway. Yeah. Well, I think actually particularly for anything that needs you to provide your bank username and password to someone that's not the bank. Yeah. Um, we've, got a, we've taken a pretty strong stance on that. We, we think that's pretty, uh, a pretty bad pattern mm. um, as far as, you know, you shouldn't be giving username and passwords to other random companies. Um, not that's saying Raise is a random company. Is well, a- sorry, that's <laughs> Raise is great, uh, but you know, as a general rule, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah uh, no, and I think also the the fact that we've got open banking coming along that addresses much of the things that people currently use that for, I think, gives yeah. us a, a future path. Yeah, and there's another question here: Will this change uh, their startup young gen 
Z slash Y vibe? No. No. No, we're saying independent. Uh, we're keeping all the same all, all the same things and people and brand that got us here, we're keeping, so. Yeah. No, and I think it's, um, and if I can just say to all my listeners, you know, Xavier has basically jumped on this microphone with no real prep at all um, and, you know, he's just answered every random question that I've thrown at him and I'm not a journalist, so I don't know if I'm being an asshole or not. I'm just an <laughs> asshole uh, where, you know, I, I don't have any, you know, best practices as a journalist. Like I just ask stuff that's on the top of my head. Um, so I want to, yeah, really thank you, uh, Xavier, for um, for coming on and being so open and transparent. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And if any of your listeners are up customers and had more questions, uh, feel free to send them in via talk to us and we'll get mm. them answered. Yeah, love it. Well, we might leave it there. Random question. Do you have like the last book or any inspirational thing that you've personally read or been inspired from? That's a good question. Um, I actually last night just finished a book called The Scout Mindset. Right. Which uh, I really enjoyed. It, it, it's sort of on the on the theme of, uh, you know, how do we sort of think more clearly and, you know, avoid some of the biases that we all fall into and mm. You know, I've read a decent number of books like that, and so I kind of wasn't really expecting much out of this one. Um, mm. But it just, I don't know, it was a new take on it and had some new stories and got me thinking a couple of different ways about a few things. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So I'd recommend yeah. that if anybody's into that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and again, you've been in the, the job now for probably not even 24 business hours. Uh, so thanks for coming on and letting <laughs> no, my me absolute pleasure. get up the, uh, the grill campfire and, <laughs> and having a chat. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. See thanks you, mate. Thanks, Glenn. See ya. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.